Hebrews 11 and 7. One of the things that should have been evident as we've gone through the series so far, talking about Enoch and talking about Abel and talking about other men that are known for their faith, is that even though faith is seen as something that cannot be seen, as something that's, that's sort of invisible and it's a spiritual quality, wherever, wherever faith is present, then its effect will be evident. It'll be seen. It'll manifest itself. Um, and so, and, and it becomes very practical. It should be very practical. And so here we find uh, one of the main characters, one of the most familiar characters of the Bible, Noah. And it says this in verse 7 about him. By faith, Noah, and every word of this verse to me is so meaningful. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen, as yet, moved with fear, preparing or prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Let's read that again. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, God showed him things that were going to happen. And as a result of that, he moved with fear. And resulted in his work, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And by the which, by the deeds that he had done, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So we looked, uh, in the last two lessons before this, we looked first of all at Abel and talked about how faith affects our worship. Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. God rejected Cain's offering, and he accepted Abel's offering because it was an offering of faith. And then we talked about Enoch who walked with God. And to me, uh, there's a progression there. Before we can really walk with God, we learn to worship. We learn to get to know God. We learn to surrender our life to God, which is all a part of our worship. And and that's not that's not the end result of our our, our journey with Christ. It ought to be the beginning. We're, we give God our life. We worship God. So we have faith in our worship, then we have faith in our walk. We learn to walk with God in our daily lives. Whether we're shopping or training our children or going to work, faith is a part of it. But here we look at how faith affects our work. Because Noah had, Noah had this a, a special revelation about what was about to happen and his, and his lifelong work was to build this ark. And it's a, it was a massive thing to consider. So the subject would be how faith matters in our work. Now, I'm not so much talking about the, the, the job you may have where you spend 40 hours a week working at that, although faith does matter in that. But I'm thinking more of, and I think it pertains more to whatever God has a work for us to do as far as our service, our ministry, how God wants to use us. And, and, it, and it has to be of faith. If it's not of faith, if it's not of faith, God doesn't bless it. If it's not of faith, God's not pleased with it. So faith matters in our work. And let's pray as we start. Father, bless our time in the Word tonight. <coughs> Help us to be focused. Help us to give our minds, our thought to you to be, Lord, uh, considering our own life of faith. And I pray for your help. I pray that you'd strengthen us. I pray for those maybe even here tonight that are 
not feeling well, that you would just bless them in a very special way and strengthen them and make our time together meaningful and helpful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So on the walk, first thing I want to do is, and we'll take a good part of this uh, lesson tonight, the time doing this, and that is just to know, notice how Noah was remembered because of his faith. And let's just look, let's break this down into several things that are found in the scripture. Look in verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen. So the first thing we see is, by faith, he took God's warnings seriously. Now, that's a very simple statement, but that's a very important thing to think about. By faith, he took God's warnings seriously. The Bible says, by faith, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen. And I wouldn't emphasize that except for the fact that I think a lot of people take God's warnings less than as seriously as they should. And like it's not really a big deal, but he took it it seriously. And I think, this again, this goes back to almost every lesson, perhaps every lesson we've had about faith, and that is this. Uh, Genuine faith is a response to God's word. He didn't just dream this idea up. He didn't have this ambition. I'm going to get my name in the Guinness Book of World, World Records because I'm going to build the biggest boat there's ever been. It wasn't, he didn't originate the idea. He moved because of God's direction in his life. Faith is a response to God's word. And this is a sure indicator to me of how real our faith is if we're really seeking to live by the word of God. Not, not trying to just add God, sort of like we're going we're gonna to add, add God as a feature in our life and we're going to give him some... No, it's not that. It's people want to live by the word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when most people think of Noah, I think, they, I think of him, they just see his faith he had in boarding this boat. But the truth is... He had faith from the very beginning. I mean, it was, it was by faith he got instructions from God. He got direction from God. He got the blueprint from God. So the first thing we see about Noah was he took God's warnings seriously. Then look in verse 7. It says, by faith Noah, being warned of God, <coughs> pardon me, of things not seen as yet. And the next three words says, moved with fear. By faith he moved with fear. What was it that moved Noah to do what he did? It was fear. Now, uh, some people think, you know, that, well, fear is not a good thing, you know. And this, there's two kinds of fear, and one is like an unholy fear, and, that, and, and the other is a holy fear, a reverence. And that's what he had here. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was afraid of God, like God is some kind of a mean person that's going to just look for an opportunity to destroy his life and family. No, he had this, he had this incredible, sincere reverence for God. And that, and that fear moved him to do what he did. I th- I th- wouldn't you, wouldn't you, if you think about this tonight, wouldn't you agree with the fact, the statement, that if we had more fear of God, maybe we would act differently sometimes? How many think if we had more fear of God, we might act differently sometimes? Most of us, 
feel that way. And I think that's very true. And, but, and, and so we see here <coughs> the, the presence of faith and a wholesome fear. A wholesome fear of God and faith in God. And both things are present in Noah's experience. Uh, if we're in Hebrews, look in Hebrews chapter 12 and um, verse 28. The end of Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll go back to 11. Hebrews 12 and verse 28 says, Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now that's God's will, that we would serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You know, the psalmist prayed that God might teach us the fear of the Lord. And you know, that's a good prayer. That's a good thing to think about. That's not all we're going to talk about tonight. But I'll tell you, it's important quality. And... I think especially when we come to church, there ought to be a, a sense of the fact that we're here to worship God. We're here in the presence. That doesn't mean it can't be enjoyable, but it ought to be, it ought to be serious because I, take God, I think we ought to take God seriously. And so this fear that, that Noah had moved, moved him. His faith led him to fear God and his fear led him to obey God. And again, everything that he, uh, he did, he did as a result of his faith. God told him what kind of wood to put in the boat. He didn't, he'd never think about, well, uh, maybe, maybe, not, maybe something other than gopher wood would be good. I mean, maybe pine. Maybe God would like pine. He didn't choose the type of wood. He didn't, he didn't change the design of the boat. He didn't add additional doors or windows and say, well, my wife would really like a window over here. He never would think of that. And the reason is because he feared God. Because he had a reverence for God. He did exactly what God told him to do. So back to Hebrews 11 and verse 7. The first thing we see is he took God's warning seriously. The second thing we see is he moved with fear. Verse 7 Moved with fear, prepared an ark <coughs> to the saving of his house. Now, God warned him about something that was going to happen. And what was going to happen was this cataclysmic flood, this worldwide flood. God told him, warned him, informed him that he, God was going to destroy the world. I mean, he took that seriously. And so by faith, he prepared for this future calamity. <clears throat> Very few people believed it. Maybe only his family. We don't even know if all his family believed it strongly. But he believed it. And he was believable. So here's what faith does. Faith prepares for the future. Now that, that, that's an important aspect of faith that sometimes is overlooked. I mean, sometimes people have the idea of, that faith is <coughs> just trusting in the providence of God. Everything's going to be okay. And we don't have to make preparation. That's not what the Bible teaches. Matter of fact, the Bible commends, for instance, the ant who prepares its food in the harvest time. We're getting ready for winter. It's preparing for that. And so faith 
prepared for a future event, a future calamity. Faith can look beyond the immediate. Faith looks beyond and considers the future. Now, it's interesting that Enoch, who is the man we studied about here in chapter 11 and verse 5, Enoch was taken away from this evil world before it became as evil as Noah would see. So he's an example of being taken out of the world, but Noah's an example of someone who stayed in an evil world and trusted God. (coughs) So faith focuses on the eternal. Faith focuses on the future. Young person, please hear me. You You may think, well, I've got my whole life ahead of me, and I don't even need to think about the future. But I want to tell you, faith looks to God for the future. Young people make very, and, and, and we as not-so-young people do the same thing, but young people make foolish decisions in their youth and don't realize that those decisions can affect them the rest of their life. So, faith focuses on the future, on the eternal, preparing for the future. And, and that should especially be relevant when you think about pending judgment, which is what which is what Noah was thinking about. There's judgment coming. I've got to do some things because I know what's around the corner. And yet a lot of people live like there is no pending judgment. Like they'll never answer for their life. Like there'll never be a judgment day. And and I think this doesn't just apply to pending judgment. It applies to a lot of areas. (coughs) People spend money like they're never going to have a need. People, you know, people, people let their children get away with everything they want to get away with because they assume that one of these days when they become teenagers, they're just going to grow into maturity. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people don't think about what the future holds. And so don't have this notion. This is one of the things I learned from Noah. Don't have this notion that faith just trusts God and doesn't have to worry about anything at all. But no, faith prepares Faith doesn't presume upon the future, but it prepares for the future. And so by faith, we see this. Three things so far. He took God's warnings seriously. Second of all, he moved with reverence, with fear. Thirdly, he prepared for a future calamity that God warned him about. Fourthly, look what it says in verse 7. He moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By faith, he acted to protect his family. He acted to protect his house. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a moment. But I have such admiration for Noah because he faithfully served for so long with such little fruit to show for it. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, there was eight people that climbed on that boat and a whole lot of animals. But, but let's not minimize the fact that he was saved and his house was saved. And I just want to say to you tonight, if we, if we win none others, may God by his grace save our families, our children, and, and their children. You know, no one else. We don't have, there's a lot we don't know here, but for everything that we have before us, we have no reason to believe that anyone else really took Noah's preaching seriously. Nobody. Think about that. I mean, 
Think about it. Uh, if you're involved in some kind of a ministry, people are here, go to the jails and the nursing homes and different things. What if, what if, you, what if we preached for 120 years and never saw a person respond to the message? That's an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? But at least his family was with him. At least his family was in that boat. So by faith he acted to protect his family, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And by the way, uh, this goes for all of us who are parents. (coughs) May God help us to do everything God would give us to do by grace in his power to give our children what they need spiritually, to prepare them uh, for salvation, to prepare them for a life of service to Christ. But then there's a fourth thing, a fifth thing, I mean, a fifth thing that we see in this, and, that, and this is by faith, and I just mentioned this, by faith he continued to build, he endured by faith for 100 years, over 100 years, 120 years. I mean, I, I think about what it'd be like, you know, we hear about missionaries who served for seven years or 10 years and never had a convert, never anyone to baptize, working in remote places of the world. And I've, you know, I've, been serving in ministry for 40 years and I think about 40 years what if you serve for 40 years you never saw a convert you never saw one person you never saw one person respond to your message you said well he was a he was a boat builder but most of you would know this The, the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness he was a preacher of righteousness imagine imagine that for over a hundred and 100 year, 120 years without a convert. He's building this boat 120 years without a drop of rain. 120 years of building without a drop of rain. Imagine what it was like to build out there on that hillside for 120 years and never see I mean, if you could just see a thunderstorm every once in a while to let you know that it could rain. I'm telling you, he's a great example to me of faithfulness. Faithfulness to God's call. And so he was, So by faith, he continued to build. By faith, he acted to protect his family. Another thing we see in verse 7, by faith, he condemned the world. Look in verse 7. By the... He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. Now, I might say this. Jesus told us if there is anywhere um, an example of what it's going to be like before he comes back, it can be found in, in the story of Noah and his faithfulness in the ark, right? Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And so, what he did, in essence, according the language of verse 7, is he condemned the world. And here was a man, I mean, just let's just think about this, because Jesus told us this is our example. Here's a man who was at odds with the world, who, who, was, who was living for a different world. Now, help, stay with me on this. Here was a man 
and, the, and there were many, many hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people alive in Noah's day. So it wasn't like he was, it wasn't like he was all by himself. And yet he had a message that nobody else believed. Now we don't, we're not told this, but I, you know, Jesus, and Peter said he was, a, they, it, it, people will scoff at us, and I'm sure they scoffed at him about this message. And that's a picture of what it is for us. And that ought to encourage us because uh, to me, there's a real pull, there's a real temptation for, all, for many people, not just young people, for many people, but especially young people, but even adults, to want to be like this world. You know, we're in this world, we want to kind of be like this world. But Noah is a picture of what it's like to live in a world that's at odds with your message. And, and, and that's, why, that's what it's leading into when it says in verse 7, by, by which he condemned the world. Real faith will always be at odds with the world. It doesn't, young person, it doesn't take any faith to be like the world. It doesn't take any faith to be like the world. But one day, this unbelieving world that we live in, this scoffing world, will be convicted and condemned by our life and by our message. And they were by his life and by his message. I mean, the world can't relate to what... The world could not relate to his values. They could not believe, they would not believe his message. And in essence, that gives our life, I think, purpose. Because our life gives evidence. Your life and my life ought to give evidence to those who know us of the reality of our faith. Even though Noah lived in a very wicked world. And if you read uh, Genesis chapter 6, you see that. It was an extremely wicked world. Every, the imag- all the thoughts, the imagination of man's hearts was, was only evil continually. That's what the Bible says. Just, and it's kind of like the world that we live in. <coughs> but his message in his life was like a warning. A warning of judgment that was coming. And that's kind of what our purpose is. And when when the floods began to rise, and, you know, I don't know if you ever think about it, but I've thought about lots and lots and lots of times. What have it been like for those people when, the, when it begins to rain? And it rains, and it rains, and it rains, and it rains. And the waters begin to rise. And the waters, you know, it's knee deep. And all of a sudden they realize, man, this, this, is really, this, this may really come to pass. Can you imagine what it was like for the, and the whole world perished. The entire world perished. And when the floods began to rise, the side of the ark condemned them. It judged them because they had rejected the message. That's going to happen one day in this world. Because one day, believe it or not, one day, we may live to see it. Every child of God is going to disappear. Imagine what that's going to be like for the people who work next to you on the job. And all of a sudden, they thought you were in another room. They thought you were in the break room. They thought you were down the assembly line. And all of a sudden, you're gone. They're all, all these believers are gone. And they'll be condemned. So by faith, he condemned the world. Last thing we see in our text is this in verse 7. By which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by, by faith. By faith, he became the heir. He was remembered for his righteousness. You remember Abraham, 
whose faith was counted unto him for righteousness. <coughs> you know this. You, be, you should know this. The only way to be declared righteous is through faith. In God's eyes, the only way for anybody to ever be righteous in God's eyes is through their faith. And their faith in Jesus Christ. Their faith in God's provision for salvation. This is what Genesis 7 says about Noah. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. He was justified by his faith. So let's look look at verse 7 again, and then I want to make some applications. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, as yet moved with fear, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. What an incredible task! What an incredible work! A life, you talk about a life work, 120 years. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is by faith. So, our faith is related to our worship, our faith is related to our walk. And our faith is related to our work. Now let me just give you a a few practical thoughts on that line. First of all this. There's a direct relationship. a, a, A direct relationship between our work and our faith. Genuine faith will produce works. Right? Genuine faith will produce Righteous works. James says the faith without works is dead. Galatians 5 says faith which worketh by love. There's a big difference in a person trying to work because they, they want to please God or earn God's favor and a person working because they have been reconciled to God and they want to work for God. There's a, there's a world of difference in, in the meaning of it, in the motivation of it. Our relationship with God, and, and by the way, this is what's missing in many lives. Our relationship with God is a relationship of faith. We can't see God. We don't feel God. We, we relate to God by faith. And our faith in God produces love for Him. And fear of God. And our, and our love for God will result in us working. He would, this is what it said about Noah. He moved with, moved with fear. He prepared an ark. I, one of the things that I personally I struggle with in life, one of the main things I struggle with in, in the ministry is when people don't want to serve God. I don't understand it. And I know there's something wrong in their relationship to God. If they don't, if a person doesn't want to serve God, there's something wrong in their relationship to God. When a person's relationship to God is not right, it shouldn't surprise us that their work will be affected in a negative way. I, there's a, our work for God, the desire, the desire we have to work for God, the ability we have to work for God, the direction we have to work for God, the motivation we have to work for God is all wrapped up in our faith and our relationship to God. 
So first of all, there's a direct relationship between our work and our faith. And I want to break that down. The second thing I want to say is, we understand by faith that there is a work for us to do. You know how I know there's a work for me to do? It's not because of some emotional feeling. It's not because I have all these talents that need to be used. It's, not, it's none of that. You know how I know God has a work for me to do? Because His Word. Because what His Word says. Let, let's look at a couple of examples of this. Go to Ephesians for a moment. Go for, to the left, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And most of you could quote um, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> we'll look at them together. Ephesians 2, 8. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now that, that, those two verses are very clear. Salvation is a gift. We're saved by faith. It has nothing to do with our works. Right? We all get that out of there? Salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. Look in, look, look in verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Now, what do you think that means? For we are His workmanship. Now what that means is, we are the result of God's work in us. You know, if you go... You know, if you were to go watch somebody, um, a, a potter working at the wheel, and he's making a craft, he's working a, or a chainsaw carver, and he's cutting down a tree, and he's got this thing going on. It's his work. That's his work. We are his. We're God's workmanship. You are. If you're saved, God is doing a work in your life. If God's not working in your life, something is wrong. If you're if. If, you, if you're, we're His workmanship, look in verse 10, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. See, God is, God is working in your life because He has a work for you to do. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So, what I, so I go back to this thing is, by faith, first of all, by faith we understand that God has a work for us to do. He, he saved you. He didn't just save you or me or anybody else. He didn't save anybody just so they could sit and do nothing. He saved people that, that he, he could work in their life that they could do the work that he wants them to do. Right? And that's what the Bible says. I mean, if, if, you, if you believe tonight... That, there, that you do not have a work to do, you don't believe the Bible. Right? You don't believe the Bible. And notice what it says in verse 10. It gets even better. For we as we His workmanship, look in your Bible. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Notice this. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That means that God... 
had a work and a plan, a foreordained job for you to do before you were ever even born. Is that right or wrong? That's what the Bible says. And yet people sit in church for years and years and years and have no interest at all in ever serving the Lord. And I'm telling you, that's craziness. That's insane. Because you were saved, we were saved because God wanted to do a work in us that He might do the work through us that He had planned, foreordained, and it's not even about you. It's not even about what you or I want to do. It's what He wants to do through us. Now, so I, I made this point before I got into that verse. By faith, we understand that there's a work for us to do. That's the starting, but we understand that. Uh, if you're in Ephesians, go to the right a little bit. To Titus. <clears throat> We're talking about faith matters in our work. Here's a verse of scripture that I, probably a five or ten passages of scripture that I memorized first in my Christian life. This was one of them. I was just, I was arrested by this verse when I read it. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. This is a faithful saying. Get it in your Bible and look at these words. It's, I like to look at the Bible. Sometimes I, when I'm reading the Bible, I look at people, they never even look down at their Bible. Look at because I, I think it's good to look at the Bible when you're reading it. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Now, I, you know, to me, constantly means all the time, right? Constantly. I want you to keep affirming this constantly. And here's what he wanted us to constantly affirm. That they which have believed in God. Now, let me ask you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you don't believe in God, this doesn't apply to you. But if you believe in God, this applies to you, Right? That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Now, does that tell you? Does that tell you that there is a place, there is a there is such a thing as a person who believes in God that should never ever work for God? Does that tell you that? No. It says every if you believe in God, you ought to be careful to maintain good works, right? So, the the starting place to me is by faith to accept the fact that there's a work for us to do. Now, we're not going to build a big boat. That's already been done. But God has a work for you to do. God has a work for you to do. By faith, we, we know that. Now you may be, if, if, you're, if you're here tonight and you're a believer, if you're here tonight and you're a believer, then, and, and, you're not, and you're not on your way to doing what, and I look around this room, a lot of people are serving the Lord, they're engaged in ministry, they're, I'm not saying any of us have arrived, but we're trying to figure out what God wants us to do. But if you're here tonight and you're a believer, 
and you're not that at that point, you ought to at least be willing to say tonight, I know this, God has a work for me to do. I may not know what it is, but according to the Bible, God has a work. For, and you, if you don't have the faith to believe that, then you're rejecting the Word of God. Right? You're rejecting the Word of God. God has a work for us to do. But not only does God have a work for us to do, let's just go to an example of this. Go to the left to 1 Timothy, and, and there's numerous places we go with this. But by, if, we, if we recognize by faith that God has a work for us to do, look in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Here's a good example of this. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, here's the, here's the phrase, who hath enabled me. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he put me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And he goes on and says what a, really what a loser he was before he got saved. Paul's writing and he says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy. But here's the point I want to make in verse 12. He enables us. So, so by faith, we understand that there's a work for us to do. The second thing by faith, we're talking about faith and our work. By faith, we understand that God will equip us to do whatever He wants us to do. He enables us. Not one person in this room, not one person on the planet who is a true believer, a converted, born-again child of God can say, well, I know God wanted me to do something, but I just couldn't do it. (coughs) No, God enables us to do everything God wants us to do. Everything. God, God gave you a family to raise. God gives you the grace, the direction, the wherewithal to do that. If God calls somebody into the gospel ministry to preach and teach, God will enable you. God enables us. No, 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 we never get I'm, I shouldn't say we never. I'll just tell you about me, and I, I think it would be good for all of us to take this position. I've never felt like in myself I could do what God wants me to do. I don't think I have it. I, you know what I'm saying? It's not in my makeup. It's not in my, it, you know, you can't, you cannot do, just because you can't do it on your own doesn't mean you can't do it. It means that God has to enable us. And he does enable us. So there's a work for all of us to do, and God will equip us to do that. <coughs> so finally, so first of all I say, by faith, we know God has a work for us to do. Second of all, by faith, we can trust God to enable us to do it. That may include training and teaching and preparation. It may include being mentored. It may include a lot of things. But God will equip you to do what he wants you to do. So then by faith, we engage in that work, trusting in God. Let me give you, let me give you a phrase from 1 Thessalonians 1.3. It says, your work of faith. What you do and I do should be a work of faith. Right? When Brother Jim Bavo goes to the nursing home on Sunday, it ought to be a work of faith. When Brother Cook goes to the jails, it's a work of faith. Work of faith to minister, it's a work of faith that they'll let him come out when he gets done. It's all a work of faith. It's not about us. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, your work of faith with power. 
We engage in that work trusting in God. Believing in God. There are far too many people, far too many people, who profess to be saved. Whether they're saved or not, I don't know. But far too many people who profess to be saved who have little interest in working for God. <clears throat> the lesson about faith I see in Noah was Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. And he, built, he, he worked. He worked for 120 years cutting down trees and shaping logs and building a boat for 120 years. What a work of faith. Everything he did was faith. And what we need is people who will by faith say, I'm going to figure out what God wants me to do. And I want to do it. I'm not going to sit around. I'm not going to sit my life around even as a teenager, even as a young person. Say, well, there's nothing thing for me to do. Yes, there is. God, God saved you and you are his workmanship that you might complete the work that he has for you to do. And whatever God wants you to do, he'll equip you for that. You know, I don't, I, I, I never promote people um, getting involved and running for political office necessarily. But I think, I think sometimes it'd be good for Christians to be in a place of political office, serving our country and serving this. Well, don't you think that'd be a good thing to have Christians in those places? And you know what? There could be people in this room that God would want you to do that someday. You say, well, I could never do that. If God wants you to do it, God would enable you to do it. Whatever God wants you to do, He will enable you to do. There are a lot of things, I think, that hold people back. They're afraid they're timid, they're selfish, a lot of different factors, you know. I believe God, I believe God saved us that we might serve Him. I, don't you? I know most of you believe that. Many of you believe that. He saved us to serve Him. I personally believe there's a progression in those three men in the lessons we learned from those three men. Abel worshipped by faith. He, he, he brought an acceptable offering to God. And Enoch walked by faith, so close to God that God took him. And Noah worked by faith. I may be wrong about this, but I think, including in my life sometimes, but I think a lot of times in life, we get into a routine where we're comfortable just going through the routine and really exercising very little faith unless we get in the jam, unless we get in trouble, unless it's the week of finals. It's finals week around here. People... People who never pray, you hear them praying, God, help me. <clears throat> but you know what? You know what these lessons teach us with this? That life it ought to be lived by faith. Trusting God. Amen?